Welcome to a message by Highway Christian Community. Highway Christian Community is a church in Pinetown pastored by Steve and Janet Wheeler, whose vision is to make disciples. You can visit their website at www.highway.org.za. We hope that today's message enlightens the eyes of your heart to know the goodness of God and awakens you to live your God-given purpose. Enjoy. Thank you very much for that. I've got a lot to share. Boy, I've been through ups and downs in my life, and I just hope I can get through it all. So, uh, Tamlin, I've hidden your cards, so I'm not listening to you today. I thought I'd, I thought I'd start... Oh, your daughter's got them. Oh, shucks. I thought I'd... Uh, Break the ice with a, with a little grace joke. Is there such a thing? Well, I found this one. Four Catholic women are sitting at a cafe, sitting, uh, sipping their tea. Are there any Catholics here? Don't think so anymore. And they're talking about their great sons. Don't we love to do this, mamas? We like to boast about our sons. And you're allowed to do that, by the way. Soon it becomes a contest to see who will be the best son. The first woman proudly declares, my son is a priest. When he walks into the room, everyone says, father. The second woman replies even more proudly, my son is a bishop. He walks into a room and people call him my grace. That's why it's a grace joke, by the way. The third woman... The third woman, thinking she wins, she replied, My son is a cardinal, and when he walks into the room, people say, My eminence. The fourth woman says nothing but sips her tea quietly. Three women stare at her and then ask her, What's so special about her son? With a smug look on her face, she replies, My son is Ashley. Six foot five, muscular, a muscular man with a chiseled jaw and arms as big as pipes. And when he walks into the room, all the women say, oh my God. Thanks for lending your name, Ashley, for that one. My story, I'm going to try and get through today, has three stages to it. I was saved by grace. I I descended into a pit of legalism. And then I was rescued by grace again. Hope you brought your Bibles, because there's nothing on the screen for you. I need you to work with me today. Ephesians 2 Eight, we know this very well. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, for it is a gift of God, not works that anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I was introduced to Grace, and Grace found me on the 26th of September, 1982, my late mother's birthday, made it easy for me to remember it, 1982, I don't know how many of you were born again in 1982, or in the 80s, or the late 70s, probably so many people here, there was such an outpouring of the Spirit, and I was at university in the last, in the last year, and a friend of mine in, invite, at university invited me to go and see uh, a great friend of his that he met in the police that um, had come back from America, and he was at CFNI, and he just wanted to go and share with him. So we pitched at his house, and he's going through all of this exciting stuff that I've never, ever heard of. He thought I was a Christian, by the way. And he's going through this, uh, this uh, expose on uh, backward masking in the music. And I don't know if any of you heard of that stuff in the, in the 80s. But it was, I walked into uh, the company of a Christian, which I had never, ever been in before. I was totally unchurched. And I get to listen to about this evil that is in the music. I didn't really like music anyway, but I was shocked to the core because I realized there's stuff happening to me that I have no control over. The next day, well, that day, my friend Godfrey invites me to church. So I thought, oh, well, I may as well go and find out. This is, sounds quite interesting. I get shocked to my core. Let's go and find out what the rest of it is about. And... I don't, know if you, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Have you experienced where God sets you up? There is a perfect time. There's a perfect setting. There is just everything comes together. As the world will say, the stars aligned. 26th of September 1982 was my day of alignment. He set me up on that Saturday. I can see it now, because I was shocked out of my nice little science bubble that there is no God, or nothing that I need to be concerned about, and so I get to this wonderful big hall, and all these wonderful people, and everyone's smiling, and the music's playing, and my goodness, this lady on the piano, she's speaking in Latin. Goodness gracious, what sort of place is this? By the way, I found out later that was tongues, but boy, it sounded impressive. It sounded like it was Latin. And so the message was the authority of the believer. Can you believe that? The authority of the believer, and it was preached so that it went right to my point of need. I was out of control. I couldn't control what I was hearing because of this evil thing in the music. And here is grace was handed to me on a plate. If you accept him, you will get control of your circumstances. And you know, I found out later there's a very interesting scripture 
Matthew 10, 39. He who finds his life shall lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake shall find it. On that day, I lost my life to find it. It was quite awesome how he set that whole thing up. And for the first time, for many weeks and for many weeks afterwards, there were two altar calls. I was too shocked with what was going on in the Latin, the Latin being sung by the lady that um, the pastor had another altar call, and I went up on the second one. I also needed to know what you do if you go up for an altar call. So it was just so perfect. And I got born again on that day. My life was totally turned around, totally upside down, to the point that it didn't take very long for my whole family. I had one sister who was born again already. She was praying for me. And the rest of my family, three other siblings and my parents, were born again in a short period of time. It was such a drastic change in, in my life that they came to, to God. And, and I found a life that was just so rich, so full. There was a purpose to, to I could serve. I could do all sorts of uh, wonderful things. I was part of the ushers. There was camaraderie. I went to every service there was. It was absolutely awesome. I got changed literally from a dull, boring, antisocial, um, very difficult um, person before that into this wonderful grace, so rich, so full, great friends. I was born again into a family. As we heard this morning, we are all family. And I found that. I found a family. I had a very distant father. He was always there, but he was never there. I didn't have anybody to talk to. I didn't have anybody to relate to. And here I was born into this wonderful, wonderful family. I was girded by grace and everything was now possible. Everything was possible. I threw myself into it and um, the, uh, the church started a Bible school. I went to the charter year, the first year, one year, three hours in the evening, every weekday. And boy, we got cemented into, into, the, into the word. We were found, founded on it and oh, such a fast track because this book that, that I was introduced is what I'm supposed to read. I'd never read anything in it. And I went to go and buy my first Bible. I didn't know what to buy, so, so I bought the one that I was told. Um, Paul, uh, Paul wrote the, uh, this Bible, um, and it's the King James, the old King James. And so I thought, oh, that's a good one if Paul wrote it. That's a joke, by the way before you take me the wrong way. And, and could you believe a young Christian can actually grow in the word on the old King James? It's possible. I've still got that Bible, and, uh, but I've uh, upgraded. I'm now on the new King James. It's still the best Bible. Isn't it, Steve? He has a different vision. Anyway, so I went to, I went to Bible school and... Um, I was just so alive at that time. Um, they asked me to teach the Bible school the, the next year after I graduated. 
the very next year. That was such a shock. How on earth am I going to do this? I was two and a half years old in the Lord. I think that was the most foolish thing that that pastor had ever done. However, it was the best thing for me because I did, and this is such a change. Before I was born again, I decided that I'm not going to get married. You know why I'm not going to get married? Because I have to make a speech at my wedding. That was the biggest fear. There's nothing, there's nothing worse than having to speak to people. Then I got born again, and uh, I found a voice. And then I, I was teaching Bible school, which I did for 15 years or something. And here I am. I'm, I'm talking to you. And that is, that is a miracle. It is a miracle. Hallelujah. And, and, and at Bible school, I'm sitting between two girls, one that was the girlfriend of the one that got me born again, and the other one was this very quiet little Catholic lady that um, I didn't know anything about. But all I knew was that there was some trading going on. Sweets were passed from the, the old man in front to the back to another guy behind and it went via Helena, and then occasionally she started to tax it and pass me one. And, and from that, I got to know her, and the following year, I got married to, to Helena. And so many had the same wonderful experience. It was known as Rama Bridal Training Center. It was absolutely wonderful. I got born again. I found a voice. I found a wife. And I found a, a new, new life. And life was so good. Was so, so good. However, as you, we moved into my second phase of, of my life. And it, it was very, 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 very subtle. The one thing that our church was very strong, and this is, by, by the way, this is in Harare. It's one of the biggest churches um, in Zimbabwe, and still is. And they were, according to the, the word of faith that was sweeping the, the, the globe at that time, it was the word of faith, and emphasis was on faith. Faith was pushed. Faith, faith, faith. You've got to have faith. This is what faith is. Definitions of faith, faith. Um, for uh, breakfast, uh, lunch, and dinner, faith, faith, faith. But I'm sure you know now, and I know very well, that there are two ditches along the side of our road that we walk with the Lord. One is faith, and the other is grace. Now, if you've only got faith, you're going to, you're going to end up in a ditch which is you, I have to do this. I have to have enough faith. I have to increase my faith. I have to study more. I have to pray more. I have to, I, 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 I have to do that. Now, those things are all good, but if that's all you have, you end up in the ditch of faith. Grace on the other side, grace is what God has supplied. He has provided salvation for us. He sent Jesus. He is called grace. And he is, he is the, the balance to everything that I should do. Faith and grace have to shake hands in the middle of that road to keep us straight. Because extreme grace 
we end up with expecting God to do everything. You sent Jesus, you, you uh, defeated the devil, therefore I sit on my rusty dusty and I don't need to do anything. I don't need to tithe, I don't need to give, I don't need to do anything, I don't even have to go to church. That's extreme grace. And yes, you don't have to do anything. Absolutely, you don't have to do anything. But as I just read out of Ephesians, that we have been made for good works. We are made for his, by His workmanship for good works which God prepared beforehand that we work in. So there's a tension between these two. And unfortunately, we were seriously in the ditch of faith. Now what happens with that, as we've heard in the Corinthians um, series that we had, is that knowledge puffs up. And with faith, you're going after knowledge. You're going after doing things well. You are, you are relying on yourself. And it brings pride. Also at that same time, we went through a wonderful teaching called the uh, iniquities. Teaching about iniquities. And iniquities are um, sin causes an iniquity in a person where they get twisted out of the perfect way that God has made that person. And so it was a, a good thing to learn about, but unfortunately, it was focusing on sin. Now, you can imagine if we are strongly in, I must do this, and I must get better, and then we are exposed to focusing on sin, we're examining ourselves more and more. In fact, it got to a stage where every leader and preferably every person in the church had to go through deliverance. And the deliverance had to be recorded. And it had to be written down and filed. And I'm not joking. It seems ridiculous now. They took it so seriously that you've got to deal with all your past sins, those that you don't even know about. We know better now, don't we? We know better how on earth are you going to confess all your sins? It's just impossible. You can't do that. However, that focusing on sin, like Romans 7. Let me just read this. It explains it perfectly what happened to us. Romans 7 verse 9. I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Most of the church died at that time. We died, we lost our joy, and most of all, sin came in, and there was a wave of sin in the church. The worst was, most of the musicians ended up in adultery. And the leader, the angel that was singing in Latin, the pastor's wife end up in adultery. It was so shocking and destructive. I want to emphasize to you, and you'll see through this story of mine, the law is perfect, but it's not for us. The law is not for us. We have been saved by grace out of the law the ordinances that are written against us are nailed to that cross. They dealt with in Jesus Christ. 
and we don't go back there. And we forget about this focus on sin. But it nearly split the church right down the middle. So many people left. I had to leave to, with many friends to, to save our lives because we were dying. I don't know if you've ever experienced that where you're just not good enough. Where everything was possible when we were emphasizing on grace. Now we were not good enough. We were never good enough. And the church dealt with this adultery and the pastor's wife by covering it up. And that was the very good thing that came out of the iniquity teaching. What you bring to the light, God cannot hold in the darkness. They did exactly the opposite. It was astounding. I can't imagine how that happened, but, whoa. So, so I moved church, and thank goodness we started to restore uh, uh, the joy of our salvation. But it didn't happen until I came down to, to South Africa. In 2004, end of 2004, we moved uh, down here with my business partner, and we started to do some business uh, down here. And 2008, October, if you remember, the financial crash happened. We were involved in property down here. And by 2010, we were finished. We were indebted up to the, uh, the hilt with the bank. And everything was seriously in a bad way. How did I end up there? I came down with pride because I was still on this track of faith without grace. God was there. I went to church. Very sad for me, and it was quite uncomfortable. My wife was more sensitive to this. But that church in Hillcrest actually preached a bit of, a bit of uh, law mixed up with the wonderful grace. And you just feel a bit uncomfortable when they, where, where there's a bit of, you, need, you must do this, you must do that. And self-righteousness rises up while you're trying to save yourself or save your situation. So in 2010, I can remember this clearly. We were having a conversation in the car coming back from one of our developments uh, in 2010, and just outside Howick, we got in, involved in a discussion about grace by this strange guy, never heard of him before, Joseph Prince. And we had one of those conversations, I'm sure you've had, where it just grew by itself. It had, and it's like God invaded the car. We were both in bad, bad trouble from, um, from the law. And we, he was starting to read Destined to Reign. And he hadn't finished with it, so I managed to um, buy um, Unlimited Favor by Joseph Prince. And we just delved into this wonderful, liberating message. As I said earlier, God sets you up. God is so good. He knows the life that is coming ahead. This is in 2010. Then I hear from this um, very rebellious friend of mine, um, that was complaining about the church that he was in, Alec Marot, at, at our breakfast. And we were talking about, no, man, there's something not quite right. And, and then he tells me all about his wonderful friend, Robert, Rob Rufus. 
and he's uh, preaching this wonderful message of grace. And I'm just learning about grace. And, oh, I've got to find grace. And there was a conference here in the second half of uh, 2010. And we came to the conference and, and in this hall. And just, wow, now it's adding grace. And grace is adding. And it's not up to you. And Jesus has paid for it all. And you don't have to do anything. And why are you striving? And, oh came alive, we came up for air, and we were finding that Jesus actually loves me, and he's not waiting with a stick to punish me. Now, why I say God set us up, early 2011, everything in our, our business crashed, finally. We got, um, I got sequestrated, the bank came from everything Everything that I had, we lost our house that we owned. We, we had to get rid of our cars and make sure they were very cheap little cars. We had to pay for our own furniture back to the bank. We lost everything. When I say we, I lost everything. Lost everything because of this long story that I've been telling you. Pride tells you that you can do it, and if you don't, you're not acceptable. You're not acceptable to God, you're not acceptable to any, and you need to make your own way. Thank you, Lord, I'm glad I'm saved, but I've got it. That's such a lie. But a year before God started to teach us grace, Because I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for that. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt. And why I know that. In Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Who do not walk according to pride. Flesh it says. But according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus, grace, came into our lives to save us from this condemnation that was about to come upon us. You may know exactly what I'm talking about. You've built your family you're the responsible adult in your relationship and you provide. Everything gets taken out of you and you've got nothing left. I've got some wonderful testimonies of coming out of, out of that. And just to touch on the main, main points at a conference at Terry's house. Terry, where is he? There he is. At Terry's house. I was still dealing with my pride because I had things that I said, I will. I will live in a complex where it's nice and safe. I will send my kids to the, biggest edu the, the best education that I can do. Thirdly, I will work for myself. I'm not going to work for anybody else. On that, on that retreat, I repented from all three. I can still feel the... The, the, the pain of going through, repenting from those three things. And let me, let me tell you, 
As soon as I had done that, grace was able to come on my side and help me in my distress because I let go. And Terry offered us a house that he was waiting to get sold. We just paid the utilities. Secondly, I had to tell my middle son that he couldn't go back to university. I've got no money. He had a wonderful attitude. He just got on on with life. But um, his deposit appeared miraculously. And this, uh, so that he could go back to university, and then a friend lent him money to finish that year. It was absolutely amazing. In fact, I've got to mention this, because God knows the beginning from the end. So this is in um, January. Um, I think it must have been 2012, somewhere around there. January 2012. My brother came and visited us. In October before, the October before, the Lord told him to pack, to take a particular amount of U.S. dollars cash when he goes to Zimbabwe. He thought it was to give into the ministry there. But he had two instructions. Take this amount and take that amount. So he, um, he didn't know what it was for. When he arrived at my house, I told him my dreadful story about my son not going to university. He said, oh, now I know what this money is for. I repented after God had prepared my brother to bring the money. That blows my mind. No, it doesn't, doesn't blow my mind. My mind is quite fine. It is, it is just so awesome how God prepares our way. He prepares our way. There is no condemnation with God. But we have to receive His grace. We have to. And at that time, in this place with the teaching that came out in the conference after conference and the highway to grace that the uh, pastor uh, wrote, it was just a total restoration of everything that I had started with. But I had the smell and I knew what the law was now. I'm still in the place where we've got very little. But... Grace has restored my identity in Christ. I'm in Him. And He's for me. My relationship with my loving Heavenly Father, I know that He is never against me. He is always good. My standing as a son, I'm going to inherit everything anyway. So this material stuff, yeah, it's useful, but it doesn't really matter that much. It restored my joy of salvation, and I will eventually have all those things that were stolen from my foolishness will all be restored. You know how hard this is and how real this is. My wife is right at this moment overseas because of my foolishness and my pride. She had to go over to get, get our kids' education finished. If I didn't know grace, the grace of God, that, that knowledge, that condemnation would have literally killed me. 
I would have left a worse situation behind me. So, I want to conclude with this. In 1 Corinthians 5. Tehillah, I'm doing pretty well. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Your pride is not good. Do, not know, do you not know that a, that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. Since you are truly unleavened, for indeed Christ is our Passover our sacrifice for us. Purge out that bit of law, that bit of self, that bit of sin, purge it out of you because it is, what's the right word? It is deadly. It is deadly. It will affect your whole life. It will affect your whole life, as it says here. It will leaven the whole lump. But if you cast that out and receive the grace of God, the grace of God, unmerited favor, you receive things that you don't deserve because Jesus has paid for it. Receive that. Receive that which is the sincerity, in sincerity and in truth. The truth is that God's grace is for you. Allow His grace to gird you up, to lift you up, and then nothing is impossible for you. Amen.